the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Acts, Paul the prisoner is being transported by ship to Rome, and with winter coming, the journey is becoming dangerous. We'll pick it up in Acts chapter 27, verse 8. Once again, that's Acts chapter 27, verse 8. And hardly passing it, we came into a place which is called the Fair Havens, near whereunto was the city of Lycia. So as they're trying to leave and go due west, but the, the winds were contrary, and so it was with great difficulty. They actually just kind of, as they're going kind of southwest, they end up coming to the coastline of Crete. And, and so they get there and they sail under the, the cover of Crete and they come to this place called the Fair Havens. So what's interesting, uh, Crete, the reason they tried to get that way and they worked really hard is because uh, Crete is this island that's about 160 miles long and it's the top of an underwater mountain range. So, so it actually comes up to about 7,000 feet above sea level all over the island. The southern part of it is not inhabited because the slope is very steep on the southern part of the island and most people are on the northern part of the island. So they're coming down on the south side to get the cover of those, those things so they can get more control of their, their ship and then maybe wait out the, the contrary winds and then head to Rome. And so they come to this place called the Fair Havens. Now, this is a really tiny harbor. It's the last protected spot because the island starts to curve north at that point. And so as, as they come to this place, they, they stay here because the winds still are contrary and they're thinking this is the last place we can stay for the winter if the winds continue to stay against us. The problem is, is it's not the best place to stay for winter because it's not protected from all the storms that would come north from the Mediterranean. So they don't want to stay there, but they're kind of just kind of waiting things out, hoping the wind gets better. Verse 9, now when much time was spent, I've been waiting a long time, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said to them, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and the ship, not only of the, of the, the property and the money, but also of our lives. We, we need to not go. Uh, the fast is referring to the Day of Atonement. So we're in, into October now. So they, they are now at a place where it is not safe. Navigation on the Mediterranean was considered uh, safe until October, and then you wouldn't travel again until March, okay? Now, you might try the beginning of October and maybe at the beginning of March, but it was absolutely impossible to 
ever sailed in mid-November to February. You just never did. It was too dangerous. So, there, you know, I was thinking if, if we go and we get caught in something, we're going to end up getting stuck out in the Mediterranean at the very worst time. And Paul says, I have done that before. I am not doing it again. I don't want to do it again. Because he explains, I perceive, and the word there means to be perceptive from past experiences. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 11.25 before this trip, that three times he had, he had been shipwrecked and one, one time he had spent an entire day and night just floating in the ocean. No, thank you. <laughs> I can't imagine how horrifying a shipwreck would be. But did you be out there floating? You know, I know if I were out there floating, I would see every sea creature imaginable, you know? And, 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 and I, would, I would probably just die right there. No animal would have to get me. I would just have a heart attack and just be gone. Paul says, I have had the experience to know that continuing this trip is going to be disastrous. Don't do it. But, verse 11, nevertheless, the centurion, it says he believed the master or the captain of the ship and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. They want their money. They just stay here all winter. They, you know, then they go and deliver their grain. Then they have to come back. It's, that's almost like a whole trip that, that's missed. And so they're thinking, we want our money. No way. We're going to go for it. And because the haven was not commodious, the word there means to not suitable, not usable, the bay would leave them unprotected against winter storms from the south, which is true. But also the crew would become very restless due to boredom. And you know, you don't ever want to keep a, a ship crew. You know, they all turn into pirates at that point. So you don't want that, you know. It would be safe. There would be no partying going on here, okay? There, there, there's no, there's little fair havens. You know, it was fair because it was pretty, not because there was anything going on there. And so they, they just said, let's not do this. Um, let's do something else. Their goal was, um, let's by any means, if we might attain to Phenis or the city of Phoenix, and there will winter, which is a haven of Crete and lies toward the southwest and northwest. The idea is this was a beach town on the western tip of Crete, about 40 miles from Fair Havens, and it's mild temperature year round because of the cross winds that it mentions here, made it a more desirable port for the crew. They would have plenty of entertainment there, plenty of things to do, and so they're figuring, let's, let's make for that. It's only 40 miles. How, how hard is 40 miles, you know? And, and so verse 13, the final nail in the coffin comes when the south wind blew softly. So now the winds changed and the south wind that would blow them north back towards Italy blows softly. And they figure we can at least make it to the city of Phoenix. And so they, that realizing they had obtained their purpose, yeah, this is what we want to do. Loosing from there, they sailed close. They stayed close to the coast by Crete. Let's make it to the city of Phoenix and we'll winter there. Well, verse 14, doesn't work out so well for them. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. This thing came down suddenly. The word there arose, it means to throw or hurl. It came down the mountainside just with a vengeance and, and it just took them off the coast of, of, of Crete. The Eurachlodon, it actually is just a name that describes the direction. It's, it's a hurricane is what it is, typhoon, whatever you want to call it. But Eurachlodon means east to northeast. And so that's 
where the wind is coming from. And it broke furiously against the mountains of Crete, then whooshed down the south side with a vengeance upon the ship and snatched it up and pulled it away from the coast. There was no way to make the city of Phoenix now. And so they could not fight against it, so they just let the wind drive them. And their hope was that they would be able to get some cover underneath this little tiny island called Clauda, verse 16. And running under, again, under the protection or shelter of a certain island which is called Clauda, we had much work to do to come by the boat. And when they had taken it up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, they struck sail and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Claude is a little tiny island about seven miles wide, south southwest of Crete. And when they got under the shelter of the island, they tried to make the ship as secure as possible and prayed to whatever God they believed in that the winds would die down at that point and they would be able to somehow escape this storm. So they brought, they always usually bring a little, din, a little dinghy boat that would kind of cart them around in ports and stuff with more control. They brought that boat inside. They, they put all the straps underneath to, to gird the ship. The, the mast of one of these massive ships would rattle and it would, in the wind and it would make the, the board start to come loose. And so they, they had these cables that ran around the ship and they put you know, uh, rope through those cables and brought it around and tightened everything up to try to keep the, the ship secure. But they were concerned that if they still, if they fought against it, that it would run them south southwest. And that would put them right along the path of two massive sandbars near the North African coastline. That's what it means, the quicksands here, and ensure a shipwreck. And so instead of fighting this storm, they decided to lower the sails and just let the storm carry them in hopes that it would die down soon. But that didn't happen. And so they started unloading all the stuff on the ship. But if when, for three days, or it says when many days, the sun and north stars appeared, he says all hope that we should be saved was lost. Now, can you imagine being in the midst of a hurricane at sea? I remember when Charlie came through, and probably most of you do too. We were all huddled in the hallway of our house. There were sounds I heard in that storm that I never want to hear again. I remember going outside, and we had plastic furniture out front. The hurricane had taken the plastic chair and wrapped it around one of the metal posts that came down that held up the awning. It had wrapped plastic around it. I went out and I saw trees ripped out, you know, massive, huge trunks ripped out of the ground and just cast onto the road. It was surreal. I can't imagine being out at sea during a hurricane. They couldn't see the stars. They couldn't see the moon. They had no idea where they are. At any moment, they could run into anything. The wind and waves are battering you nonstop. There's literally no hope in sight. But into that darkness, Paul speaks words of encouragement. Verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, I told you so. I like Paul. I can relate to that. Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. But now I exhort you to be of good cheer. <laughs> I was right, but cheer up. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. The ship will be lost. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given you all them that sail with you. You know, 
it mentions after long abstinence. During the storm, Paul was praying and fasting. See, Paul had a promise. In Acts 23, 11, at Paul's point of discouragement, the Lord stood by him, it says, and said, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified of me in Jerusalem, so must you bear witness also at Rome. You remember that, right? Not too long ago. God gave him a promise. So Paul knew he couldn't die, but how does this hurricane fit into your plan, Lord? (laughs) How does this all work out? And what did God want him to do in the midst of it? So he fasted and prayed. Let me ask you a question. What is your reaction to the hurricanes that blow suddenly into your life? I know what my reaction is. My reaction tends to be discouraged, frustrated, or to wonder if somehow I've messed up God's plan and he's forsaken me. Cast me aside. But you know, just like Paul, we have promises too, amen? We have promises. You go say, oh no, this financial crisis, we didn't expect it. The Lord in his word promises, my God shall supply all my needs through his riches and glory, Right? I know that's your promise, so I know we're going to make it. So now the only question is, Lord, what do I do in the midst of it? What do you want me to do in the midst of it? How can I thrive in the midst of this hurricane? Wherever you are today, whatever storms have hurled you into a churning sea of chaos, I want you to know this, there's hope. Maybe you can't see the sun and the stars and, and, and the plan of God looks like it's in danger. But I want to encourage you. God isn't through with you. Like Paul, you belong to him. And God knows how to care for what belongs to him, doesn't he? He knows how to deliver the righteous. So Paul declares God's promise. This is what God said to me. So be of good cheer. Cheer up. Cheer up. You know that old hymn, cheer up, you saints of God. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to ever make you afraid. Nothing to make you doubt. Remember, the Lord loves you. And he's given you precious promises. But you know, there had to be a lot of guys thinking, is this guy serious? (laughs) Look at the sky, man. We are going down. But Paul, he goes on, he says, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. He had to tell him again. There's probably some people going, you're nuts. We heard you're nuts. Now we know you're nuts. But Paul declares, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast or shipwrecked upon a certain island. Let me ask you a question. What kind of an impact would it be if you sat at the lunch table with your coworkers and you gave them the hope of God's promise every time they complained about how bad life was? I always looked at those opportunities when someone was complaining to me to be as maybe if I was in the same situation, you, know, you have a boss that's not treating you good or you've got you know, maybe, maybe a supervisor that's making bad decisions and, and it's gonna look and reflect bad on you. And, and man, I can't believe it. Why is he doing this? This is not the way to go. You know what happened? The last supervisor did this. And now he's fired and all those people are fired. And now we're gonna get fired. And you say, you know, man, I don't like what he's doing either, but you know what? I know who has me and who owns me and who loves me. And you know what? It, I know he's gonna take care of me and my family. And they'll probably look at you first and go, you're nuts. But maybe one of those individuals will see our faith and turn to the Lord. Maybe one of them will go, I don't have that. How can you have that? You know what he's doing is wrong. You know it's going to end badly. And you look at him and go, yeah, but I, he's not really the one in charge. He's not the one in charge of me. He, 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 may, he's not the one who's, he may sign my paycheck, but he's not really the one who pays me. The Lord is my provider. And when the Lord is my shepherd, I won't lack. I, don't, I won't want. 
He's going to make me to lie down in green pastures. He's going to lead me beside still waters. Listen, there's nothing that frustrates or, or makes a, a sheep skittish but running water, you know? Running water was something they could not stand. It just it, it freaked them out. And so a shepherd would always make sure they bring him by that pond where it's just all peaceful, you know? And they could look in there and see other sheep and go, oh, there's sheep there. We're happy. And they drink. God never credits us with being the smartest of people. He knows our frame that we're simply dust. Maybe you might say, well, I'm, I'm nowhere near there, you know? I get down so easily and I doubt God's promises. Well, let me be Paul to you this morning then. You turn over to Romans chapter eight. I want to read something to you. Romans chapter eight, verse 31. Paul has just said, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. He's gonna finish what he started. What an awesome thing to know that God is gonna finish what he starts in us. He is not gonna let us just run adrift. We are not going down with the ship. And in light of that, he says, what shall we say then to all these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. God sent his son into the world to die for every human being, knowing that there'd be some that would scoff, knowing there'd be some who wouldn't believe, but he did it anyway for you. If you were the only one, he would have done it. That's much he loves you. And in light of that, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Well, why would he hold back now if he gave us his only son? Why would he not meet that need? Why would he not come through for you? Why would he not rescue you? Because I'm a loser, Will. I, I just I blow it all the time. Well, verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Listen, when the enemy comes to you and tells you you're a loser, you say, take it up with my lawyer. You have a cease and desist order from communicating with me at all. You take it up with my lawyer because you know what? My advocate says that his precious blood has paid it all. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? None, because it's Christ who justifies he has washed us clean. He has declared us righteous. The verdict is not guilty. You take it up with him. Who is he that condemns? My own heart. Praise the Lord, he is greater than our hearts, for he knows all things, 1 John 4 says. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. There's not a single person up there. Not God the Father, not God the Son, not God the Spirit, not the angels. There's not anyone who matters who is against you. Rather, he's interceding for you. He's praying for you. Remember Peter? Man, talk about something that could destroy a life. You denied the Lord three times in front of everybody. You pronounced oaths, curses upon you. Curse God, strike me dead now if I ever met the man. And Jesus, knowing beforehand that he would say those words, he says to him, I prayed for you that your faith won't fail. And when you go through that sifting process, you're going to be all right. And not only are you going to be all right, but I'm going to use you. How crazy is that? <laughs> Who could condemn us? Peter can't. Nobody can. Christ already died. It's already done. And he's praying for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What could ever remove you, jettison you from the love that God has for you? Nothing. 
Tribulation, difficult times, difficult circumstances. God still loves you. Distress, tight places, God still loves you. Persecution, God still loves you. He's still for you. Famine, nakedness or peril or sword, God still loves you. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter, but precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints even then. The Bible says not one sparrow falls to the ground without him. Surely he's with you every step of the way. I've always been amazed when I've watched believers die. It's different. There's some fear because of the experiences that, you know, I don't like what's going to happen to me. But it's different. There's peace. I have to wonder, I think, Lord, they have to sense your presence. They have to sense your nearness to know that. Nay, in all these things, what things? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, all these shackles, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We win. We are super conquerors. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Be encouraged. God is for you. He is not against you. And if anybody's against you, their opinion doesn't matter. Because the only opinion that does matter are those who are praying for you and interceding for you. Those who died for you. Christ. The one who gave his son. He has not left you. Listen, cheer up, Christian. (laughs) You're not going under. I believe what God says here. Like Paul says, I believe, I believe what God says here. And he's got you in the palm of his hand and he's never going to let you go. (laughs) You know, we're going to have to quit here. I'm not going to finish as far as I wanted to. Too ambitious. So we'll pick it up in chapter 27 and we will leave them right at that point, uh, verse 27, as uh, we'll we'll, we'll try to finish up the book next week. Probably not, but we'll try. But listen, God used Paul in both these, these instances he sp- to speak to the dignitaries, to speak to this whole crew. He's a prisoner there. I mean, he's the least likely person, you know, to pipe up and go, hey guys, I've got, a, I got something encouraging to say. You know, who let that guy out, you know? I mean, that's probably what most people are thinking. Festus thinks he's nuts. And yet to both of those groups, despite being chained to a soldier, God uses him to speak into all of their lives. You know, when we say the theme of Acts is Jesus is still working, we mean it. No matter your circumstances, he is still at work because whatever those circumstances, Jesus is never bound. You remember what Jesus said? He said, no man takes my life from me. He says, I have power to lay it down, take it up again. And Paul uses proof of this, Christ's resurrection, that God's word is never bound. We read it in our scripture reading. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, he explained that we know that Christ has risen from the dead. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And now because of that, I'm in chains. But then he says, but the word of God is not bound. See, Jesus wasn't bound. He could take up his life whenever he wanted to and he did. And that proves then that the word of God is never bound. And because of that, guess what? Our hope is never bound. We must endure. We must look to see how God wants to use us, not just work in us. We get so inwardly focused 
God wants to not just work in us, but he wants to work through us in the midst of dark times. And so in 2 Timothy 2.10, Paul says, therefore, in light of the fact that God's word isn't bound and therefore my hope is not bound, he says, therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Listen, you might look at your work situation, your family situation, your marriage situation, whatever it is that you're going through right now, and you say, man, I'm shackled. This is not good. And you're like, what are you trying to teach me, Lord? And Lord might say nothing. I'm not trying to teach you anything. I'm trying to use you. I want to shine through you in the midst of those shackles that people see something that is out of this world, that they might be saved. How much time do we have left? You know, that person asked me, he said, what if they had three minutes? Listen, we don't know how much time we got left. This world is getting crazier and crazier every day. That, that trumpet could sound any moment. And there's one thing you can't do in heaven, and that's share your faith. You can't evangelize there. You only get to take those that you did with you. I want to encourage you. If you are feeling shackled right now, stand on the promises of God. He is for you. He's not against you. He is going to see you through this. He is not going to let you sink. And then ask the Lord, fast maybe, pray and say, God, what do you want to do through me right now? Who are you trying to reach around me in the midst of these shackles? I know you're not bound. Take me and use me, Lord. Amen? Lord, you are for us. You are not against us. And we declare, we believe that, Lord. We believe the truths of your word, that you are interceding for us, Lord, that you have justified us, you've washed us, and therefore nothing can separate us from your love. So, Lord, in the midst of those shackling circumstances that we're experiencing right now, those things we feel like there's no freedom, there's no hope, no light, it's just darkness everywhere. Lord, we cry out to you now and we, we say, Lord, we believe you're gonna see us through this. We trust you. Now, Lord, would you show us what you want us to do that as we endure, others might be saved. Lord, take our lives and just shine through us. We give them to you completely. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.